Okay, so I'm going to jump right in. Are you ready? Parshad Matot, jumping in. Okay. Moshe stands at the top of the wasteland that was Midian. He has completed his final task before death. He looks out over the Jordan River, pangs of longing in his chest. I'm getting a lot of puh. Dan? Moshe gave his life to this journey, to leading this stiff-necked people, this bunch of complainers into the land, the land that they will inherit. Imagine how beautiful it seemed to him, everything that he has ever dreamt of and will never hold. Leaders from the two tribes of Reuben and Gad clumsily approach and break his reverie Unlike the five sisters of last week's parasha, they do not walk tall, these Gadians and Reubenites. They don't walk tall, they don't stand their ground, and they don't speak with clarity, passion, or direction. They're more like sullen teenagers approaching their father. This gaggle of Gadites and Reubenites stumbles toward Moshe, faces hidden, weight shifting side to side. When they finally speak, they mumble a semi, semi-proposition. So these places that God destroyed for the, before the Israelites, um, this is a land for cattle. And your servants, us, we have cattle. <laughs> Moshe and Eleazar and the other leaders are silent. <clears throat> they try again. If we have found favor in your eyes, let this land be given to your servants as a portion. Don't make us cross the Jordan into the land of Israel. What? Moshe is stunned. Don't make us cross the Jordan into the beloved land, that beloved land that we have spent 40 years walking toward. The beloved land promised to us all the way back to Abraham. The beloved land that after 42 stops along the way is now only maybe two miles or kilometers from here. The <laughs> beloved land that I will never step foot into. You mean that one? Moshe has given his whole life to this mission, this goal, this inheritance. All he wants to do and all that he can never do is step foot on that soil. He won't arrive. He won't inherit. And these young bucks charge over and say, you know that inheritance that you hold so dear? You can keep it. Don't make us cross the Jordan. We don't want to. Wow. Do you hear that? Do you hear how ungrateful they are? They think they're so clever, striking out on their own, upstaging the climactic moment of a 40-year journey by deciding that they just want a new destination. Your dream is not our dream, they say. But wait, let's take a step back and with a little compassion. Isn't it the next generation's job to differentiate from the previous generation? As we saw in the modern Midrash last week, the daughters of Tzolofchad had to come out from under the tzel, under the shadow of their father, in order to assume leadership. This is what next generations do. Your feminism is not our feminism. We want something edgier. 
Your synagogues are not our synagogues. We don't want your institutions, your giant edifice temples, your operatic cantors, your sisterhood Judaica shops. We... <laughs> I had no idea that was going to Okay, okay. We want something deeper. We don't want to live in the suburbs. We want the pulse of the city, which we cannot afford. <laughs> or the country, anything but the burbs. <laughs> Interestingly, in our story in this week's Pasha, God and Ruvain Dafka do want to live in the suburbs. <laughs> so what's going on here? We have an archetypal conflict of generations. The older generation longs to see its vision through completion. The younger generation yearns to break out on its own. In this moment of confrontation by the two tribes, you might expect Moshe to pour out his wrath, to respond from a place of personal injury. They are rejecting his dream, and in a way, they are rejecting him. Or perhaps you might expect him to violently suppress this perceived insurrection. But that's not what happens. To be fair, he does pour out his wrath. He's very angry. But more importantly, he doesn't say no to them. He doesn't say, I forbid you to stay in Transjordan with its lush pastures. I forbid you to explore your own dream. Instead, he challenges a perceived selfishness, a whiff of the me generation in their proposition. He challenges the lack of values in their approach. Really, Moshe says, you're prepared to let your brothers risk their lives in a battle for our collective dream while you sit here with your sheep? He calls them a tarbut anashim chtaim, a breed of offending men, which I think somewhat boils down to kids today. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Gadites and Reubenites are a part of a larger community a bigger project and you have a responsibility. And suddenly you're prepared to abandon your brothers and sisters? Not impressed. Here, I imagine the Reubenite and Gadite leaders storming away like adolescents. Then they calm down, have a think, and approach Moshe again. Vayikshu, they approach, with a more mature and seasoned response. They begin by asserting their right to their own vision. Your dream isn't our dream, Moshe. We will build sheep pens for our livestock and towns for our little ones right here outside of the land. And then, with strength and with deference, they assert, We will not only fight with our brethren, we will march at the front. We will be chalutzim. We will lead the way until all the tribes have settled in their homes. Because they heard, they heard Moshe's tochacha, his rebuke, and they recognized their communal responsibility. We don't have to give up on our dream in order to respect your dream. We can differentiate while remaining true to our family and where we come from. Moshe accepts their proposal and, and extracts an oath in front of the Israelite leaders. Now, in Moshe's response to the Gadites and the Reubenites, Rashi hears Moshe 
teaching this next generation another crucial lesson. You see, when the tribes had returned to Moses with their upgraded proposal, they began with, we are going to start out by building sheep pens. I don't really, is there a name for a sheep pen? (laughs) (laughs) Only after do they mention building cities for their children. Rashi notes, they were more worried about their belongings, their acquisitions, than about their daughters and sons, which explains putting cattle before children. Now, when Moshe responds, he changes the order. He says, build your towns for your little ones, and then enclosures for your sheep, and the utterance of your mouth you shall do. According to Rashi, Moshe teaches this important value through order reversal. Guys, it's not done this way. You have to put the ikar, ikar, Put what matters most first. And the tafel, tafel, put what is secondary second. Build cities for your children. The livestock comes later. Family is ikar. And they're pushed push to differentiate. Our young tribes people, the Reubenites and the Gadites, had lost sight of their values of what matters most in the world. They gave everything away to chart their own unique path, and in the process, they forgot fundamental elements of their identity and their humanity. They forgot where they come from. Their teacher, Moshe, reminds them. Now, when they hear the correct order, the children come before livestock, they say, your servants will do as our Lord charges. Our little ones, our wives, our livestock, and all our beasts will be there in the towns of Gilad. They get it right this time. They even get their wives in there, which Moshe had forgotten. (laughs) It's probably no coincidence that what struck me about this week's Parsha, this year in particular, was a negotiation between generations. On the occasion of my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, my parents are here, My aunt is at Romamu for the first time. My aunt Joan all the way from Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is in Canada. (laughs) And tomorrow, more of our family is going to arrive to toast my parents. It's not every parent that negotiates their own child's flight from the nest with a mix of compassion, love, and tochacha. Let's translate tochacha as tough love right now. My parents made room for me and my sisters. Hi. (laughs) This is Theo. (laughs) My parents made room for me and my sisters to pursue our own dreams. And they never hesitated to confront us when they perceived us straying from the values handed down from generations. So I want us to be blessed this evening. Hi, with the words of Khalil Gibran. Words that Moshe knew well. Our children are not our children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. And tonight, I want to add something that I think the tribes understood, the tribes of Gad and Ruvain. Our parents are our parents. (laughs) 
We are from them. Their values belong to us to remember, to inherit, and to interpret. May our transmissions from generation to generation be rich, full of compassion and curiosity. And may we continue to listen to the dreams of those who came before us and to the dreams of those who will come after. Please rise.